Bases loaded and one out. Oh, oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slash. Hello and welcome in everybody to episode 134 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's me again, Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. And I'm joined again by George again. <laughs> Welcome in, Roto. <laughs> What's up, dude? <laughs> Welcome in, Roto underscore Nino. I am just going to do a different intro. That's the goal. Every episode for the whole year. I'm going to mess it up. I already messed this one up, I'm sure. But I don't care. We're going with it. Roto underscore Nino is where you can find them on Twitter. George. Welcome back in again, man. It's always me, myself, what, and George. What's up? Yeah. Yeah, it's just me and you, man. But hey, it's it's all good. We might get always Zach back soon. That word on the street is Zach might be coming back to the podcast <laughs> sooner than later. So if you're listening yeah, to Zach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think maybe his Mets making that uh, big move kind of lit a fire in him. It's funny because we talk to Zach like every day. So he's not, he's not, he's gone, but he's not forgotten. No, he'll be back. He's just taking a brief break from baseball, whereas we degenerates have not. And tonight we are discussing a few players. It's going to be a shorter podcast. I know us talking a short podcast doesn't usually happen, but it's going to be as short as I can, as short as I can make it. <laughs> um, it's going to be just a few. We're going to talk about hitters going outside the top 380P. We're looking at ADP from December 1st till now. And it's, um, yeah, that's pretty much what we're doing. We're just going to look at the hitters. We're going to talk about six guys, three each. And keep it simple. Hitters that we like outside the top 380p. But before yeah. we get to it, this podcast is part of the Rotoballer Podcast Network. If you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports and live for the short-term gratification of DFS, then you have to try out weekly fantasy sports WFS on Owner's Box. Head on over to rotoballer.com box and sign up today. Weekly fantasy sports is the best of daily and season-long. It keeps you engaged through live drafting and new multi-week games. Owner's Box will be paying out users who bring their friends on board. Watch the real money rewards pile up through their first ever three-tiered referral system. Add friends, create groups, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Just head on over to rotoballer.com box and sign up today. So we're going to dive into those players. One last thing, though. Not another ad read, I promise. What is your overall strategy? When you look at players outside the top 300, which remind, let's remind people, because outside the top 380p, that's kind of deep. Yeah. You, go to sh- you go in shallower formats. You play points leagues. You play 10-teamers. You play 12s. These guys are free, free agents. So this podcast, I understand, might not be necessarily for your shallower leagues, but what it should do is give you a very early look of players that are going to be on your free agency that you should add to your watch list going into drafts. That has importance because if these players break out early, you'll be a step ahead of the game because you'll know about these players because we're going to talk about them. So what is your overall strategy when you go into those players deeper in the player pool? What are you looking for? Playing time, opportunity, right. upside, a little bit of everything. Like what really just does it for you for these players. Right. So when you're, once you get to, you know, ADP of 300 and higher, these are guys in your 10 to 12 team leagues, like you said, that are probably going to end up on the waiver wire after the draft. Maybe you take a chance on, you know, one of these upside guys uh, with like a la- your last pick in the draft, you know, taking up a last, uh, one of your last bench spots, but like in a deeper format, like a 15 team league at this point, uh, getting into 300, you're probably looking for playing time. You're looking for the plate appearances because in, in deeper leagues, like that's, that's really valuable uh, having 
guys that are just going to play um, is extremely valuable. So yeah, it just depends on the format, shallower format. You're looking for that upside guys to put on your watch list, uh, guys to stash. And then uh, in, in deeper leagues, 15 team. Uh, yeah. You're, you're looking for playing time. Uh, you're definitely, those plate appearances are, are very valuable. That's pretty much it. Same here. I'm, a lot of it's upside and opportunity. That's kind of what I look mm-hmm. for. I want a guy that I think can be a difference maker given the playing time, but also a guy that's not going to be a complete zero and have no chance. So without further ado, again, this is just focusing on the hitters. Let's dive into said hitters. Who's your first guy outside the top 380p that you really like? So my first guy, uh, it would be nice if I actually had. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to put it in order. I know you have. I know you do have three outside the top eight, uh, the top three hundred. Yeah. So uh, my first guy is going at three twenty three right now uh, over since uh, December first on NFBC, and that's Edwin Rios uh, of the Dodgers. So Rios, I, I mean, we're looking at two small samples here with Rios, but over the, like the last two seasons. Uh, I mean, he's been, he's been tremendous as far as like when he's gotten the opportunity to play, he's only played 60 games. Uh, but over that span, I mean, he, he has 12 home runs. He hit 260. You put the two, you know, the two uh, small samples together and, and he's on a 43 home run pace over 500 plate appearances. He, the guy just has tremendous power. And you look at the Dodgers right now and you're not too sure if they're going to bring back Justin Turner. It doesn't look like it right now. Maybe they might be moving on that could definitely open up, you know, playing time for Edwin Rios there in third at, uh, at third base. But the guy just he has tremendous power, uh, just kind of, you know, from 2019 to and, and 2020-98.6 mile per hour exit velocity on line drives and fly balls. He kind of, I mean, he had a 5.4 degree launch angle in 2019, 14.5 degree in 20. Really drastic differences here. The one thing that did kind of stay constant was the zone contact rate, about 81% over these two samples. I mean, uh, 17% barrel rate. The XBA is 275 uh, XBA uh, over the, you know over the two seasons. It's hard to just take one season because they're, they're just they were drastically pretty different. Uh, so you, for me, I'm just kind of combining combining the two, but. Th- from what I see, it looks like we have like a Joey Gallo or Miguel Sano type of guy, but with better contact. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, that's a beautiful combination. Then. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. If you can get like a, like a floor of 250 from him and, you know, and a 40 homer pace. Now it, it is going to be interesting because he hasn't really gotten the opportunity at all uh, to hit against left-handed pitchers. He, he only, um, uh, he only has he only has 19 plate appearances against left-handed uh, pitchers, so it's going to be interesting to see if they give him the chance. Uh, looking at his minor league track record in 2018, hit 291 against lefties. In 2019, hit 272. Uh, these are two small samples as well, so it's going to be interesting to see if he gets that opportunity to uh, hit against left-handed pitchers. But even if you're just getting like a strong side platoon guy, like you know, Jock Peterson has been, has been, you know, valuable as one of those guys before, you know? So I, I think even if you're getting like 500 plate appearances, you could probably get 30 to 35 home runs. Uh, so I definitely really, really like Edwin Rios and, and his potential there with the Dodgers. Yeah. I'm a big Rios guy. And I think you, you've actually seen his ADP already kind of climb. He was going closer to 400, if not past that at one point in the, in the early drafts. That's why early drafting has become so interesting is because you get these guys that you find earlier and that, even though they're still, I think going outside the top 300, he's still a solid value, solid, a solid target for the potential that he could play at least on the strong side of the platoon. 
Which is again, that's another thing to look out for because there's a couple guys here I'm gonna talk about myself that they might not play every day, but they're gonna at least be on the strong side of a platoon, which gives them way more at bats. So because mm-hmm. right now we're just looking for at least people that could be difference makers on the strong side of a platoon. I think he can be a strong side platoon difference maker, being that he's the left-handed bat there. So it's worth noting that I'm a big Ed- I actually like Edwin Rios myself, but there's a guy I just cannot quit and I refuse to quit him. He's just never going to go anywhere. And I'm just, I'm married to the guy at this point. It's Freddy Cordero. He's going 396.21 on average in early draft since December 1st. And I, I don't know why. I think it's the, the loud tools, man. The guy comes with, you know, the plus speed potential, the plus power potential, but he also has the plus potential to get injured. Like that's been his thing. The guy can't stay healthy. And he, you know, he went on the aisle just last year, but when he came back up, he put up a two home run game and he had a clear change in his batting stance. He closed it. Not sure how much of that really matters. Like I'm not sure how much of a difference it's going to make. He might've added a slightly higher leg kick in the process. Not, not again, very, very hard to say, but then there was also the fact that you saw the launch angle did increase over that final like week or so after he came back. So maybe the sw- maybe there was enough in his mechanics to get the launch angle up a little bit. It's hard to tell. It's I'm just essentially doubling down because yeah, he can hit 220 in the process, but I think he could be a, at least a strong side platoon guy for the Royals. And we know the plus flashy tools are there. The speed and power combination that we want in players, he's worth taking a gamble on at, at near pick 400. And a guy you definitely need to have on your, uh, your watch list on the on the waiver wires and shallow leagues because if he starts every day and comes out the gate swinging he's going to be a guy that might be streaky because he is a, that type of hitter but he's a guy who could be difference making in power or speed so you just got to watch how they treat him and what's and how he performs in spring training to make sure and see if he even maybe gets make sure he has the job coming out of spring as well so that's my guy yeah it's franchi i'll never quit him yeah, the, the upside is definitely there. That's for sure. But there's there's a downside. I mean, good thing that when you're drafting somebody this late, they are droppable. He might be the first person you drop on your on your uh, on your team as well. But I, I also, by the way, while you were talking about Owen Rios, I was looking because you mentioned the launch angle change. So you know that means I had to go look at his uh his his stances, right? I'm yeah. looking. I see a small change. I'll send a video. I'll post a video and I'll I'll tag you in it. It looks like he was premature uh, the big difference i'm seeing in his two swings and this is like this is a quick look i haven't really looked but it looks like from 2019 to 2020 the biggest difference is how much he's opening his hips up he's getting his hips open up more which could explain why he's getting more power behind his swing as well and then it looks like he follows through more with two hands whereas in 2019 he kind of released maybe prematurely with one hand and that was probably part of the reason why he wasn't getting his maybe, and that's probably in part because he wasn't getting his hips around all the way. So it's just cool. Like a little tweak in a swing can make a huge difference, but there's got to be more there because the overall swing path had changed as well. So I'm wondering if there was a swing, uh, more of a change from early to mid, or early to late 2019 compared to 2019 to 2020. But there are some obvious way differences in how he finishes. So just thought I'd throw that out there. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was just we're looking at really two small samples where he did things just drastically different. You know, 37% strikeout rate in 2019, and then 21% strikeout rate. Uh, we're the talking. Are were, we talking about Edwin Rios? Or are we talking about Franchi? Oh, we're talking about Rio. Sorry, I was following. Yeah, I was, I was just making sure because I was talking about Rios as well, <laughs> and I didn't want people listening uh, to not know who which one we're talking about right now. Yeah, yeah. So he did hit 250 in 2020 with a 216 BABIP. So you definitely, uh, you know, expect that BABIP to come up. We'll see how where he settles. Uh, so I, I think both of these guys have tremendous upside here with uh, Rios and and Cordero. No, 100% agree. And 
again, I'm just looking at his swings and I'm trying to understand why there was such a difference in launch angle. And I just, like I said, I see that a lot of it, the biggest difference is the amount of he gets his hips opened up. And when you get that, usually it helps drive the power as well. From my understanding, I'm learning more and more about that type of stuff. So trying to put, I'm trying to take that what I learned and put it towards a fantasy to give people more of like analysis of why this is helping, not just the, oh, I noticed something. Like at least try to explain what no, that, that change can mean. So that's why, like, excuse me as you listen to me try to grow. Cause this is like, this is like live <laughs> look at how my head, how my head works when I'm behind the scenes. Anyway, we can move on. Who's the next guy on your list post 300 that you like? So my next guy is uh, Ahmed Rosario, oh. uh, who just got traded over to oh. the Indians. <laughs> oh. Doesn't sound like a good O there. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, plus, I think he's going to move up anyway, so it's a good catch. Get him, talk, take advantage of it. He's going to move up. Though. Yeah, I mean, if he's still, if he's still going uh, you know, after pick 300, yeah, absolutely. I think... I think uh, there's there's a lot of upside there. So, I mean, he's only 25 and going into 2020. Feels yeah, he feels like he's been around for a while. But uh, going into 2020, like things were really trending in the right direction. We saw year over year improvements for Rosario from 2017 to 2018 to 2019. Um, just starting off here with his contact and, and play discipline. I mean, the O swing dropped year over year from 45 to 41 to 38. Uh, the zone contact went up every year, 75 to 85 to 88. You saw the the uh, strikeout rate come down every year. So, I mean, things are really going in the right direction for Rosario. And we saw him in 2019 put up that season, you know, 15 home runs, 19 steals, 287. I think we can kind of expect you know, the, the upside is is there. You know, we if he gives us that in Cleveland, like I think it's definitely a possibility. And, you know, go, going over to like his batted ball, uh, data here you know the exit velocity was going up year over year from 80 84 average exit velocity to 87 to 89 uh xba went up along with it the hard hit rate up year over year so i don't know i mean if you're kind of if you can kind of you know give them a mulligan for 2020 with just the weirdness of the season who knows what we what more we would have seen if you know we got a full season so he was really trending in the right way. I think he's going to, you know, have the opportunity to play every day in, in, in Cleveland. Um, you know, that's a team that's going to have to manufacture some runs. So, you know, maybe we see him be a little more aggressive on the Bates paths, but uh, yeah, I think, I think there's, there's at least, you know, 15, 15 potential there uh, for Ahmed Rosario and uh, the, with a batting average that, that won't hurt you. Yeah, I get it. And I think it's, I think it's a safe, pick outside the top 300 to take a shot on especially given the new potential for playing time i'm just i don't know i was never a huge Rosario guy but i guess he is going literally like like 150 picks lighter than he was last year so that's really hard to argue with that and yeah i think the change in team and the what should be guaranteed playing time is a huge plus for him so i'm not really against what you you had to say about him at all uh, it's it's just hard to find any stat where he didn't improve from 2017 to 2018, 2019, even the max exit velocity, uh, you know, he put up over those three seasons, you know, improved year over year. So, you know, along with the barrel rate, I just, the, he was going in the right direction. There was so much to like, and I, I don't see him as, you know, I don't see him much differently at this point. And I, I just think that the opportunity in, in Cleveland is going to, you know, present a good opportunity, a good buying opportunity here for 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I, I'm with you until I just want to see where that price land, lands. But a guy I'm going to be back in on for the second straight year is Evan White, first baseman of the Seattle Mariners, going at about pick 380. And the guy just, I don't know, it's such a weird profile. Average exit velocity in the 87th percentile, hard hit rate in the 95th percentile, barrel rate in the 90th percentile, and the guy hit 176. <laughs> and struck out 41% of the time. I think, but the walks were still solid, 8.9%. And I just think that he's going to regress bat, uh, with that batting average. I think we're going to see it drop back down. In the minors, we saw it at 23% or less in three out of the four stops. And the one stop was a four-game sample at AAA, where he struck out 27.8% of the time. So it's not even something to really consider. And in his two bigger stops in the minors, he hit 303 and 293. So I think he's closer to, the, to at least a 250 hitter, you know what I mean, considering his yeah. minor league track record. The hard hit data is there. It was his rookie year. You know, he did sign prior to coming up, so I think there's a lot there just potential-wise. And when a guy makes that hard of contact and puts that much solid – like a guy with that barrels ball up that well, that's a skill. I think a player like a barrel well – I think barreling a ball is a skill set. And you, if, you can, if you can put the barrel on the ball that well – good things will come. And we know the hit tool's better. We know he has sneaky little speed, putting up four, four, four stolen bases in the minors in a season. Stole one last year. He's on a team that's one in the run. I'm not saying it's a lot, but there's like five or so stolen bases there. I mean, we saw the sprint speed is 85th percentile. So it's, again, over above average speed as well. And I don't know, man. I just really like Evan White. I don't know. I can't really <laughs> explain it. His contact rate really needs to improve, especially his O contact. That was really bad last year. But, I mean, he doesn't chase a ton. His chase rate was 20.4%, which is above league average. Just overall, a solid like, – I feel like there's something there that just he didn't show us last year. And it was a short season, so he didn't really have a chance to even get going when he, uh, when he might have. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you on, on Evan White this year. I think, you know, just given his uh, defensive abilities, you, you got to think that he's going to stay in the lineup regardless of, you know, his struggles. And if it's something he can work through – you know, you, you mentioned just how hard he hits the ball. I think, you know, I think there's a lot of room there for improvement and a lot of room for profit, frankly, where he's going right now. So, you know, you mentioned the aggressiveness from that team that, you know, they're going to run, maybe he chips in some steals. And if that strikeout rate could just come down a, a bit, then uh, yeah, I think we're looking at Evan White as a really, you know, really good sleeper at this point. Um, yeah. I just want to be right. <laughs> no, I was, yeah. in, I was in on him last year and I'm just, I'm already, I think my ranking of him for my first base ranks is like 10 spots above his eight, like where he's ranked among first basemen in, in this format. So give you an idea of like, I'm willing to take a shot on him. Just like, he's a flyer for me in almost every league. Cause he's going to be relatively uh, pretty much free. I would say in most leagues. So he's a guy I really like to go after, but enough about me back to you. Who's what is always oh, your last guy. Who's the third guy that you're targeting outside the top 300. So the last guy for me, uh, again, let, I gotta go back and yeah, I, I don't even think I, uh, did, did you mention uh, Rosario's ADP? I will look it up right now. Right now I'm at Rosario's ADP is 356.06. Yeah. As of go. today. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so my, my third guy is going at 393 and that's Joey Votto. You know, first base is one of those positions where, like, if you're not getting one of the top guys, it's perfectly viable to just wait. Like, you could you could fill that position, you know, really late. It's a little deeper than than it's given credit for. I mean, you, you just mentioned Evan White. 
You know, I'm a huge Rowdy Telez guy mm-hmm. uh, who's also going pretty late. And, you know, Joey Votto's going here at 393. I think with Joey Votto, you, at this point, you just kind of have to change your expectations of, of like the kind of hitter he is. And he really actually, he really changed in the second half last year. Uh, so he ended up hitting 226, but he, he got some of that power back, hitting 11 home runs in those 223 plate appearances. And it, it really comes from, from the second half. Um, was just a completely different hitter. You know, first half, he had an 83 WRC+. Plus. Second half, he had a 135 WRC+. Plus. You saw the strikeout rate really come up, 26% in the second half, 10% in the first half. But you look at the results. I mean, a 354 slugging in the first half against a 519 slugging in the second half, 146 ISO versus 279, uh, three home runs, and then hit eight home runs in September. So, uh, I, I mean, what changed here? You see the Z, the zone contact rate did go down and he his uh he changed his batting stance uh going into the second half he he was a lot more upright you're used to seeing Joey Votto you know in in his crouch more of a crouch stance but uh he was upright and if you if you pay attention to Jeff Zerman's uh mining the news uh, over at on on Fangraphs he picked up a quote from from Votto who gave an interview on on the on the radio uh and he's talking about his need to make adjustments where he kind of just hit rock bottom in that first half and he knew he needed to make adjustments. And, you know, he, he's quoted as saying, I feel like I need to make a major, major leap and need to let go of something I've been holding on to. I started taking more chances at the plate, trying to hit the ball harder and hit the ball further. And you could see here the two examples of the change in his batting stance where in that second half, he's just completely upright. The thing I like about this though, is that the plate discipline, you know, the walk rate didn't change though. He still had an identical, you know, O swing rate. Um, he still swung the ball, uh, swung the bat uh, just as much. Uh, so similar swing rates, similar um, O swing rates. So the, the plate discipline didn't change. He was just, he knew he had to be like more aggressive, trying to hit the ball further. And that first half uh, exit velocity on line drives and fly balls was 91 miles per hour. That second half, 94.7 miles per hour. So I really think that you just kind of have to change the way you think about Joey Votto as far as what kind of hitter he is. He, he's not going to hit, you know, 280, 290, but can he hit, you know, two, is he going to hit maybe 250, 260 and 25 home runs? I, I think that's possible. You know, someone as smart as Votto knowing that he needs to make adjustments and, and, you know, you're seeing the results, uh, you know, that's, I think that goes a long way. And we, we mentioned, you know, the, the playing time, uh, here that we're looking for this slate. And if you're getting a, a hitter who's going to hit in the top third of the lineup every single day all season in that park at, at almost pick 400, yeah, I, I think uh, he's a perfectly viable uh, first baseman or corner um, infielder if you just want to wait. So uh, I think that uh, I'd love to see these changes, you know, translate and come come over to, to 2021. But uh, yeah, if they do, yeah, I, I think we could see the power spike back for, for Joey Votto. And, you know, he's still going to walk a ton. So he's going to score runs there, uh, provide some power, uh, and, and uh, especially still good in OVP. Yeah, I don't know. What's what do really think? intriguing about Votto, I just feel like he always tinkers his way in and out of things. He finds something, it works. He, like, messes with it, it doesn't work. But given that first base, I, it's funny that you say that because – at a certain point with first base, it's essentially the same skill sets all the way up and down from like pick from like the 20th first baseman to like the 35th. It's very similar right. skill sets. Now, does Votto have less skilling than a lot of those guys? Sure. But the floor isn't much different. 
in even the median production isn't much different. But I do like, you know, anytime you see changes from a guy as smart as Votto, you got to think he might just stick with it. But even he mentioned that he has to let things go. Who's going to say he's going to, who's going to say he's going to let it go after coming into this year right away. That's the only thing. So I'm a little apprehensive, but at pick 400, there's no apprehension. Like, it's not like he's like, it's not like he's picked, you know, 150 or 100 anymore. He's going, he's free in drafts. So yeah, I'm on board with that. And the final guy I'm going to talk about is Josh Naylor. And it's not a sexy name, but it's a guy that was traded last year over to the Indians. Again, a team that needs players to hit for them. And Naylor is just intriguing to me, man. I feel like there's just something there to kind of give a chance to. We've seen the power potential in the minors for the Padres. He put up 10 home runs in AAA in 54 games. Uh, in 2019, in 2018, he put up 17 home runs in Double A. So I think there's like that 20 home run potential. He has stolen five, seven, ten stolen bases before in the minors. So there's some chip in speed, and a team like the Indians might need to manufacture runs, as you already mentioned. And Naylor, I forgot to mention his ADP, which I think is just outside the top 400. I think he might be the lowest one. I'm looking him up right now. Can't spell his name, so that's difficult. Come. It is 417. <laughs> yeah, 417. Could you hear all the little dings I was getting trying to search it? <laughs> Gosh, it was fighting with me. N-A-Y-L-O-R, Josh Naylor. 417 on average. So the farthest down uh, per ADP guy we're going with. And we're just talking about a guy that offers some power, offers a little bit of speed on a team that's going to allow him to hit. The guy has good play discipline. He's He has a double-digit walk, uh, walk rate in 2018-2019. In 2019, in the majors, it did it did drop to 9%, but that's not bad. Last year, it was only 4.8%, but his playing time was sporadic. But his strikeout rate, at no level has he ever been above 22.9%, and that was, again, his first year in the majors. That dipped down tremendously, smaller sample size, but dipped down to 11.5% last year. He just knows how to make contact and get, get, get the bat on the ball. He did The thing, I guess, that's really intriguing to me is that when he went over to um, – went over to – the Indians, they they changed up his batting stance a little bit and his mechanics, actually. See, he actually started off 2019, or 2020, I should say, with a more open stance as it was and light, looking a little lighter. Like, he, he lost some weight. Then he went over to the Indians, and he actually transitioned from leaving one hand on the bat during his release to keeping two hands on the bat all the way through his swing. And the idea of that is to allow young hitters – to allow to put to force them to push their hips all the way through a ball again, getting that power production out of them and not cheating themselves. Whereas prior to 2019, or sorry, 2020, I keep doing this. Naylor had a tendency to release the bat with one hand, but if you look at his swing, it was a little like it would almost prematurely release the hand a little bit too. Similar to what I was talking about with Edwin, Edwin Rios, but Rios was able to keep the swing with one hand, but get his hips more involved. Naylor, it looks like the Indians are working on doing that with him by keeping his bats, his hands on the bat. And there's a side-by-side on my Twitter. Somewhere you can find it. I tweet a lot. But this, if you're interested in the video of what I'm talking about, there's a side-by-side of it. But regardless, these are changes that they're making to this young hitter. And I think with a full-off season, maybe honing in on these changes, he'll be able to kind of have like a little – like he might be a little sneaky in terms of power and some speed. And he should play almost every day. People, I've heard people mention that he might platoon because he's a lefty. He might get the right side of the platoon. But in his career, 
he has hit lefties well, actually, and a lot actually better than righties, which is weird because it's a lefty, and it's a very small sample, only for only fifty six at bats, but he's hit three hundred four against them. So yeah. again, take it for what it's worth. It's a small sample. I still think he's going to get a chance to play every day. There's a little bit of power there, a uh, little bit of speed, and just a, a playing time opportunity. That's where I'm at with Josh Naylor. I think it's a good call. He actually has struck out less, uh, has a lower strikeout rate too against lefties. So I, <laughs> I don't weird. see why, yeah, I don't see why uh, he shouldn't be given the opportunity uh, to play every day. And I, I mean, he definitely has a lot of raw power. He had a 115 max exit velocity in, in, in 2019. So you know it's there. With that kind of potential and the contact rates that he's been putting up, I mean, um, yeah, I, I think this is a, a sneaky, you know, makes you want to look 20... twice. Someone maybe someone asked me about him, and that's when I looked into him. I was like, wow, there's some sneaky, fun little potential here. The guy had a 93%, the guy had a 93% Z contact rate last year, a 76.6% yeah. O contact rate, and an 86.4% contact rate overall. These are like 10% above league average across the board, with the O contact being 15% above league average. And this is with a swinging strike rate of just 6.6%, 9.1% in 2019, and single-digit swinging strike rates going back to 2017 in high A. The guy doesn't have much holes in the swing. I'm just sorry. There's excitement there that shouldn't be there for a guy that's going outside the top 400, but here I am. Josh Naylor's my guy. <laughs> no, no, it's perfectly viable. I mean, uh, he had a 278 expected batting average, so definitely underperformed. Um, and, and that expecting batting average is, it carries over to all three pitch types. Uh, if you look on Baseball Savant, uh, 272 XBA on fastballs, 268 on breaking, and 316 on off speed. I mean, the guy makes contact, and he has the potential to hit the ball hard. We'll see if that raw power can, can you know, translate into game power. But I think, I mean, the, the Indians have no reason not to give him every opportunity. Yeah. And again, I just really like Josh Naylor. So some, I forgot, like I said, I can't credit who asked me to look into him, but I was really happy when they did because it made me find that. I feel like, it, there's, I feel like he's my diamond in the rough dish. A guy that's good, like no reason not to target him on every team, essentially, because of where he's going in drafts. It's like, to give you an yeah. idea, for a point of reference of who's going around him, First off, Shogo Akiyama is a bad example because he's another guy who needs to be moving up ADP. And a guy we should have mentioned today, because remember, you mentioned the Mining the News article. Shogo had the same exact situation Votto did. He went in, changed, mm-hmm. his, uh, changed his stance. I think he uh, shortened his step or, or removed his step. I forgot what it was. And he actually had better production in the second half as well. He's another guy that should play a lot this year. But take away him, you have guys like you have guys like Elvis Andrews, you have guys like JP Crawford, Hunter Renfro with his unknowns. It's like, why wouldn't you just take Josh Naylor on in bank on the hit tool and plate discipline and hope the rest follows? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I'd, I'd rather take a chance on Naylor over all those guys. I need to make a bet with uh, Zach. He, I owe him a jersey still, but maybe he'll maybe he loves Hunter Renfro enough. He'll take Renfro over Naylor. And then I'm, I'll probably end up owing him two. Z's. But that's not the point. The <laughs> point is that's six hitters. Who were your three again? Uh, my three were Edwin Rios, uh, Ahmed Rosario, and Joey Votto. So Franchi Cordero, Evan White, and Josh Naylor. Those are my three guys. And again, there's more. We will do more of these post 300 deep sleepers, whatever you want to call them. We will do more of these. But this was just dipping our toes into that. This was just more of our dipping our toes into that ADP, getting an idea of some names we really want to talk about throughout there. Get those who are listening early a step ahead in their competition of guys to look at that they might not even have to in their drafts, but 
at the very least, remember, add them to your watch list. With that said, we appreciate you listening as always. Feel free to follow us on Twitter. George is at Roto underscore Nino. I'm at Mike underscore Curlin. We appreciate you guys more than you know. Thank you for listening. As always, we will talk to you soon.